You're looking to grow your B2B business? Welcome to the Grow B2B Faster podcast. Here, we dig deep to learn proven growth strategies, hacks, and tools from top CEOs and leaders in sales and marketing to help you grow faster. This episode is powered by Subu, the company that can help you drive thought leadership, hiring, and sales for your B2B business via LinkedIn. Check them out on sawoo.io, S-A-W-O-O.io. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Grow B2B Faster podcast. My name is Pablo, and I'm the host of today's podcast episode. Today, I have the honor to interview Patrick Trimpy. He's the CEO at Larry, co-host of the B2B Startup Sales podcast, co-founder of SalesMyth, and a sales advisor, so he's quite a busy guy, and overall, a very experienced guy when it comes to the topic of sales. So without further ado, welcome, Patrick, to the show, and thank you for being here today. Thank you, Pablo, for the invitation. I am looking forward very much to the discussion. Perfect. So before we deep dive into the sales topics, I would like to ask you a couple of introduction questions so that our listeners get to know you a little bit. Um, does that work for you? I hope. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so first up, maybe I think it's good if you can talk a little bit more about or give a brief overview of your journey as a salesman so far and how you ended up at Larry right now. Yes. Um, so as everybody in Switzerland probably didn't think about a sales job when you were at university, right? I, well, I was lucky actually beforehand because um, I started when I was at uni, I studied at, in Fribourg and I'm from GLaDOS. So that's quite a way. And my parents didn't want me to study in Fribourg because that would have been too expensive and they couldn't, we couldn't afford it. My parents didn't, didn't have a lot of money and I have three sisters and um uh, yeah, so money was always kind of an issue, but I really wanted to go. I wanted to get out of, of Claros. So um, I told myself, yeah, well, I'm, I'm just going to work uh, very early on and um, earn my own money and I can afford living in Fribourg in my own apartment. And that's what I did. So I started at a call, calls, a call center first, but only for two months. And then I sent my um, CV to a company called Schweizer Vermögensberatung. I had no clue what that was. No clue. So I just sent it. It sounded interesting. And then um, I went there and it was weird because it was more like it wasn't like a normal uh, talk with a candidate. Uh, I wasn't the one who needed to sell himself, I was the one who was sold on because they it's a fully um, provision-based, commission-based model. And you can build up your own team and stuff, uh, but you have to kind of go out, sell insurances and banks and, and bank solutions, uh, funds and so on. I didn't know really what that was, but I anyway started and you have to start in your, you know, the, the people you know. So I went to the people I know, I asked them who could they recommend to me that I can go to. That's how the, the sales career started in B2C. And I did that during my whole time at university. I even rented an office in Fribourg. I had four or five people working with me in the office while I was Studying 100, well, I was studying 100%. I mean, Fribourg isn't that difficult, I have to add. I mean, compared to, for instance, St. Gallen, where you have to do a lot of paperwork and write papers and stuff, I didn't have to do any of these, just a few exams that weren't like crazy difficult, I guess, and didn't, uh, yeah, weren't, I didn't have to put much effort in. So that's how it started. Then I actually wanted to go to do my master's in St. Gallen. Um, but got caught up in between. Well, I, I already applied I, and, and was actually in yeah 2014 that I would have started in September. Everything was okay. But I got caught up by Starmind because one of my friends started there and he was like, hey, come join us. You don't need to do a master's degree. And I was like, okay. I went there, um, uh, talked to, to Pascal, the, the guy who founded the company. And after one hour, I kind of decided, yeah, let's let's start. I mean, sounds interesting. So I um, started in at Starmind, a tech company, tech SaaS company. Um, some of the listeners may know. And I did first sales in Switzerland. After a year, I moved to Germany. Was responsible for the German market. And after three years, moved on to New York. Was responsible for the New York team. And after a year. 
I came back to join Larry, um, which I planned a little earlier before a few friend of mine, a, a friends of mine founded the company um, just like, yeah, a few years earlier. And we were always talking that I, that I would at some point join when they really see some, well, when they have their first customers and that's what I did. And uh, now two years in, we do have an issue now because uh, the market is small. We realized we did hardcore outbound cold calling, email, LinkedIn, hardcore outreach with the team, with the sales team, and realized within a year that Germany is not going to happen because we cannot scale. Uh, competitors covered the market already there. You cannot, um, you cannot go in there with just one or two features more when you have a product that costs less than 50K, 50,000 uh, a year when they already have solutions for the problem that we wanted to solve. So actually, I am, because of this, we realized, hey, we have to sell the company as soon as possible. That's what's going to happen now. And in the meantime, I'm going to change jobs. Uh, I'm going to work from 1st of October at unique.ch. New company founded by Manuel Grenacher, who is a famous entrepreneur in Switzerland. He already sold the company for 150 million to SAP. And uh, he started, now he had to work for three years for SAP. Now got out again, three months ago, started a new company. We already got quite a lot of funding. We're going to hire 30 people in the next six months. We are already 15. So I'm looking for salespeople right now. Um, still about... We, uh, uh, my team is going to be 10 people. I'm looking for around five people still, Switzerland and, and Berlin. So that's that was a bit of a long story, Paula, but uh, I think that's how I, that's how I came here where I am now. Wow, that was quite the intro. Huh? So you heard it here first. If you want a career or you want a job, you have to get in touch with Patrick, I suppose. But that's, that's also, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That would be awesome. Yeah, perfect. So you're, you're looking for salespeople, right? Salespeople, SDRs, so entry-level salespeople, they don't need experience at all. From my perspective, I really like to hire people who don't have any experience because I still have the capacity and the willingness to coach them very closely and, and help them with all that is needed, cold calling, cold outreach, prospecting, discovery calls, demos, and, and all the stuff that, that needs to be done when it comes to selling. So yeah, that's so SDRs. And if you already have experience and want to be an AE, um, you can do that as well. Also, even with SDR, you can you can when you have experience, uh, probably uh, for sure. I I I'd look into that as well. Okay. Wow. Very cool. I'm very interested. <laughs> so we see what the the future will hold in store for you guys. And um, can I just ask a little bit more about Larry? Right. So you now you mentioned you want to sell the company. Um, so when I prepared for this interview, I was like, oh, I'm going to ask a little bit more about Larry, what you do. And also looked up that you do like uh, monitoring, like legal monitoring, right? Yes. So, so right now, the idea is just to sell the company because you can't really grow abroad from uh, the, the Swiss market. or what? Exactly. Okay. The Swiss market is quite small. I mean, our main customers are banks, insurances and energy companies. Those who are like regular company that have a lot of impact from changes in the law or the regulations in general. Those are our main customers. We have another kind of customer base that is public affairs. So associations and people who need to know what's going on in politics. That's the second part. But we focus on the first because the first there is a little bit more money and uh, the, the market is a little bit bigger, even though not that much now. Um, we did for one year. Yeah, we tried to target Germany. We got a few clients like Intel. Uh, mm -hmm. Intel, everybody knows, I guess. Um, Nürnberger Insurance is a, is a big one we got and a few others, but it's not scalable. So those we got is basically like they didn't do any research. They had a good connection to us and that's why we got them. But it's not really, you know, if they would have done their research um, and have seen our competitors really looked at them, they would probably have thought, oh, it's very similar. Mm. Or maybe the competitors are even better, but that didn't happen. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So I'm going to try to shift a little bit away from Larry, given that uh, I think you're going to sell it. Um, so before we talked about channels, right? You So you said you would do a lot of outreach via LinkedIn, via cold calls, via mails. 
Um, so can you tell us a bit more? I know that you're a really big, big fan of cold calling. So why do you think it's a great way to fill your sales pipeline? And why do you prefer it compared to other ways of, for instance, like, let's say, doing social selling on LinkedIn or whatever? I wouldn't say that I generally prefer cold calling, I guess. It's a very much a matter of, um, always a matter of what product do you have? What's the price of the product? To who do you sell? And how can you reach those people? Um, I'm very much a fan of having a very... Um, like a, a changed sequence sequences i'm a fan of sequences and the sequences that you send is not necessarily just calling it's also the first day you email um, and call right after you send the linkedin connection requests the second day you try to call again the third day you leave them in peace fourth day maybe as well fifth day you try to call again leave a no a voicemail also follow up by your email after that something like that so i very much learned in the US, that this is the way that it's gonna that it's gonna go. In the US, it's almost always like this because you cannot reach somebody just with one means anymore. Like when you send a mail and two follow-ups in the US, your conversion is gonna be two percent. Even less, I mean, probably even less. So you have to kind of find all the ways to to target the people, find the ways how you, you get them the easiest way. But I think when you start a company right after, but right after you start a company and you, you have a product and you start selling, email is by far, probably by far the most efficient way. You, you don't need time. These days with technologies, um, you send out 200 emails within four hours. I, it took me four hours to compile, a, a, compile an email campaign or my team, it, it takes them four hours to compile an email campaign with 200, peop, uh, 200 emails. And if you can get out, let's say 10%, 20 meetings, Four hours, 20 meetings, you cannot reach that with cold calling. You cannot call as many people that you can book 20 meetings with cold calling. That's impossible. So you have to find out what's the best way. And, and I mean, in the future, especially when I'm working at Unique and we sell, we have a tool that sells that is for salespeople. And if you're selling to salespeople and you're not doing LinkedIn, like you're not using LinkedIn, you're not posting regularly on LinkedIn because it's for free and you can potentially reach so many people. Um, there was, I had a lucky shot two weeks ago with a post and I think 140,000 people saw that post. And then I had another one with the, with the email campaign and 130,000 saw that. Imagine you can for free, it took me two minutes to the first one, took me two minutes to compile that one. Um, so you Put that on for free and 150,000 people see it. We had, because of the post, we had on Larry on the company page, we had 1,000 people, 1,000 people, all of them sales who were looking at the company. Now, if I'd work already for Unique, that would be awesome, right? Because it's a sales tool and potentially a few say, hey, wow, that's actually interesting. And uh, maybe even, um, you know, book a demo or something. Um but that doesn't happen with Larry. And but that's the power. I mean, there's a lot of power in there as well. If you target marketing, link uh, sales, use LinkedIn for sure. It's in the next two three years. Uh, if you're not gonna do it the next two three years, it's gonna be too late, probably. And um, so yeah, use different channels. Find out what's working best. I think uh, a a an approach that you change your means is actually by far, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's probably the, the most effective one. Wow. Yeah. I, I guess like also for us, multi-channel works really well, like just trying to figure out what works well and what doesn't work well. Mm -hmm. And also what you mentioned before, like LinkedIn is so important. And I think, especially in Switzerland, there are not a lot of people who do it. For instance, you, and I think also Manuel, you post a lot of very good thing and you get out, give out a lot of value. And I think that really, really helps to also get people in and also to get like this kind of use on your post. I mean, that's also why I reached out to you. You posted about the uh, nobody cold, uh, is cold calling mm -hmm. you. So then I reached out to ask about this podcast episode. So that was very interesting. Um, yeah. So 
a question. So now that you're going to, to join a new company, um, do you think it will be also important that everybody there will post on LinkedIn and build this kind of brand that you're currently building or what's the strategy there? Because I know a lot of people also saw like Manuel posted something about that, that he's really encouraging his employees to repost daily and to really build up this thought leadership uh, on LinkedIn. Yeah, I think that's a, that answer is a simple yes, for sure. Um, all the the SDRs and the account executives, the sales team will end marketing, obviously, through through the company webpage. Um, they should be posting very, very regularly, uh, post what they have learned about, post some stuff that they find online and just, you know, you can also copy stuff when you, I mean, I listened to a podcast yesterday, um, Another one, 30 Minutes to President Club, which I quite like as well. They have very tactical uh, inputs. Not sure if you know. And you get something, you learn something, and hey, you can post it, make a reference to it, and 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 post it. That's 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 already okay. And it's out, it's okay. I mean, also those guys haven't invented these things, right? Somebody has known it, known it before, so you don't really know. Um, I mean, yeah. But if you're if you're if you're well intended. Just post that and tell where you got it from, and it's already embedded value for 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 everybody. So that's really, you got it. I think it's it's really about pro just providing value without wanting anything in in return. And what would you advise the people who are maybe a little bit afraid of posting because maybe they are. I say afraid that other people will judge them or their their posts don't work well. For instance, I know a lot of people they post a lot of stuff but they don't get a lot of likes. So they maybe do that for two, three, four months. And then you're like, okay, it's not worth it. I'm going to stop with that. So how was your journey in that sense? <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, I'm, I hated the, the, to think about posting at first. I'm really not a person like that. I hate, um, I was always thinking about it in the context of Facebook and I never had Instagram, let's say Facebook. I almost never post on Facebook either because I didn't like this showing off, this is showing something that you've done just to get some likes. And then, you know, this, this feeling that you get and need to constantly check whether somebody liked it. And if not, you're going to be, you know, that's, you make yourself, you make how you feel dependent on other people and that's that's what i didn't like about the thing also like the way what i could what i definitely could could be how i could think about it could work for me was with the value thing so if i just put value out there and not posting anything about um necessarily what i have achieved what i have done just if if it's in the context if it's necessary for instance with the with the email cadence um, just to say, hey, I, I did reach these results with the email cadence and then share the email cadence with the people. There, obviously, to show the results that I have achieved with the email cadence is important for, for the, so that people, uh, for the credibility, right? But normally, or in general, I, I don't post about, or I don't want to post about what I have achieved or what I have done and, and things. Just personal stories as well, sometimes that make sense in the context of sales that could also change people's minds. But not not like that. So what I I really hated it. But with this thought in mind, that just to post value, I started, mm. and I think it takes five five posts or so. It took five posts to get comfortable with, and with these five posts, just get out those five posts. And with these five posts, you realize, oh, I need to do things that make me be able to post. Like I need to read stuff. I need to listen to podcasts. I need to be aware during the day what I've learned, right? And when you, when you, when you realize this, it's awesome because you will put yourself into situations that you learn more. So it's kind of a, a, a cycle, a virtue cycle that you start posting and then you think like, oh, I need new material. Okay, I start to read. I read a lot anyway, but uh, you, you, you put yourself into the situation. That's also a cool side effect. And then, you know, when the first person writes you, hey, thank you for posting because it was so valuable for me at this moment, you're done anyway. At this point in time, you think like, okay, this is really cool. And um, so my advice, simple, just think about it in a way, put out value. I think that's what most people can deal with, what, what most people can be okay with, not talk about themselves, but put out value 
and um, start do like three or four of these posts. It doesn't matter whether you get many likes, really not. I still, um, yeah, I still, yesterday I, I realized I did a post with a link in there, for instance, and that's really, really bad. That's one advice as well. Yeah. Don't put any any links to external websites in your post because LinkedIn is going to punish your post so badly. Nobody's going to see it and therefore nobody's going to like it. Um, so don't do that, but just start. I mean, you're going to learn also. And that's another side effect, uh, a positive side effect. You start to learn to copyright. You start to learn what do I have to to write, how do I have to write my stuff so that it gets more attention? It doesn't mean that you should write in a way emotionally, like that you want to write, you know, there's those people who write about very emotional stuff just to get likes. And there is no value in there. I don't like that much either. I do like these kind of really nice stories um, as well, where people write about some tragic story and somebody um, you know, was in a bad situation and then kind of stood up and, and still made it some like, like these stories I really like, or also some love stories, whatever. I do like those. You can also put in uh, a few of these from time to time, but don't, you know, don't trick people by talking just emotionally. And then um, there's no value in there, I guess. Yeah, I agree with you. And also to the, what you said before with the link, you should always put it in a comment. That's what we always do. Because if you put it in yes. a post, uh, LinkedIn is going to punish you. So uh, that's good. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. What do you want? To no, that's say? a good point. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing also, like in terms of channels is like podcasts, obviously. And I know you have your own podcast with Manuel. So maybe can you tell us a bit the story behind this podcast? Also, What's the reason for starting a podcast and what's also a little bit your vision for that? Because at the end of the day, it's also about giving back like to the community and really putting something out there that is useful, at least for me. I mean, I listen to it quite often as somebody yeah. who's new in sales. So it's really, really helpful. And I think, I don't know how many people listen to it, but I have to say it's really good. So I also want okay. to know a bit more about that. Yeah. So the way it started was actually quite fun. It was I, Manuel and I, we talked to a lot of people in Switzerland, like in general, VP sales or salespeople, just to, you know, uh, we realized we, you can learn so much by just talking to people. And at some point we were like, hmm, why don't we record this? We just, you know, we talked to Lars, for instance. Um, and you probably know Lars Mangelsdorf. He's the CEO at Yokoi, one of the fastest growing startups right now Crazy. in Switzerland. Crazy. Really, he does a really good job there. And so... We planned to, it was actually quite fun. Lars and I, we were thinking, okay, we have a meeting scheduled with Manuel to discuss what we should do in the podcast. Mm -hmm. So Lars and I were in the meeting and then Manuel came and he was like, okay, should I click record? And we were like, record? What? What do you want to record? Yeah, we just started talking. We just start talking. So that's the first episode. I'm not sure if you've heard it. That's, that, that's actually this episode where... Manuel was like, okay, click the record button. And then we started a discussion. And then again, the discussion went, I think, quite smoothly. Um, hopefully some value in there. And uh, so Manuel and I then thought, okay, let's, let's just start to organize that. And we always wanted, you know, we didn't put much, much effort in there yet. We, we just scheduled a meeting with someone and then started right away. We knew kind of, there was always a conversation that developed. And if you are in sales yourself and you have somebody in front of you who really knows about that, this person can tell you like the tactics and techniques they use uh, for sure. So this is automatically going to, to, develop, uh, to evolve. And if it doesn't, we didn't publish the series. If it was like, there was only like one or two, I think two maybe episodes that we didn't publish because this just, there was not enough value in there. Where I wanted to go though is also, I, I do think we need to put in even more value, like really tactical stuff. I I'm not I'm not fully happy right now actually I do want to uh, want to develop it to also more tactical stuff um, like concrete tips you know with cold calling when you uh, easy one cold calling tip for instance I call you now Pablo you say yeah here is Pablo I say yeah here's Patrick from unique mm -hmm. pause 
and give Pablo time to say again, hi, Patrick. So you can hear the sentiment he is in and, and you already developed a, co a conversation from that on. I said something. Well, Pablo, you said, hi, here's Pablo. I said, yeah, here's Patrick from Unique. And then you say again, yeah, hi, Patrick. It's already a conversation. Yeah. So do that. That's it. If you learn that, if you learn to be paid, like these kind of tips, you know, that's that's one of the game changes I had with, with cold calling. Just easy, calm down, go in and sound extremely uh, kind and, and friendly. That's really important. That's it. So these kind of things. So I want to have it develop more in this direction, like really have people there who can give concrete insights, concrete tips, techniques to use in order to improve When you, when you listen to it today and tomorrow, you can actually change something in your approach. Uh, and it's very easy to do that. So I, I see it going into this direction. And also now, obviously, because from my perspective, it was always nice to talk to, to people. I learned a lot. So it was egoistic. We did it because we learned a lot in these discussions and we just started to record it. Yeah. Um, and now that I'm starting at Unique and we also sell to salespeople, obviously the, the, the medium becomes even more important for me. Now it's also, I, there's also like a little business aspect in there, obviously. I still not going to change anything. I'm not going to do any, uh, um, you know, publicity or something um, for, for now, um, but just really... To add add more value, I think. Yeah, yeah, no. But I, I must say, I think the podcast is really good. I mean, I listened to the first episode, which last that was crazy. I mean, it was a really, really good episode, and he, I don't know, he dropped so many good knowledge bombs in terms of what mm -hmm. they do, uh, what works really well. I think it's also that episode where he talks about sending a shoe to a company so to yeah. get his foot in. <laughs> and it's crazy it's really really good and uh, i also talked to another person chris apostle he also does sales and he they also send like postcards and stuff and those are all the things that you can pick up and try and if you don't listen to podcasts or things that you talk about during your podcast you're missing out on a lot of things so i think that's really really good what you guys do and also the sales commandments that's what i told you before i think that's so useful and uh, you mentioned the president's club before right um, I think they also have this this kind of structure where you get a lot of out of it because they talk about, oh, those are the strategies that work for me. Those are the things that don't work for me. And it's only like 30 minutes, right? So yes. it's very easy to listen to, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's also a lead generation thing, I guess, podcasting at the end of the day. I mean, you get to talk with people, you make a connection and maybe sometimes not right now, but maybe down the road, there's some business that could evolve from that. Um, yeah. So You talked about unique, right? So do you want maybe talk a bit more about what the vision behind this and what you're going to do? I mean, I know you're going to help salespeople, so <laughs> what does it mean? I mean, you already mentioned it, so I guess I, I'd rather give you the opportunity to talk about, about it a little bit. And yeah. what, what your position, position is going to be like, yeah, that would be nice. So there's obviously still a few things to figure out, right? Before yeah. we reach like product market fit or, or anything like it. But I guess it's not, I, I, we are quite optimistic that it doesn't take too long because what we do already exists. Mm -hmm. um, it's not something new. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Gong. I know have... Gong, yeah. It's very, so, very trending right now, right? Exactly. Very trending. I mean, they're really active on LinkedIn. Crazy. I mean, I'm also following all those people. So that's, uh, that's why. So, and Gong is very big in, in, in the US and is, is starting to come more into Europe. And that's what we want to basically tackle. We want to build a company that is, um, uh, yeah, com competing against Gong in Europe, especially we also want to go to the US, obviously, because if you want to become a million billion dollar company, you have to. But um, so we will record Zoom team calls, calls that salespeople have with prospective customers. We will transcript, transcribe those and summarize those. And we're going to invest way more um, of our time into the sales customer relationship. Gong is, Gong is only selling to sales leader and their, their main value is for sales leader. There is a few salespeople who have value because they can listen to recordings from other salespeople. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. And they get coaching from their sales leaders, obviously, when their calls get recorded, right? But there is not much they do with customers. So what we want to do is basically to provide this summary video then for the 
potential customer so that they can sell much better internally. They don't need any more white papers, basically. They can just send around the discussion I had with you as my salesperson, right? I can send that to my CEO, to, to whoever I have to sell this after that. And it's it's summarized that there's also, yeah. And also the person, the customer can always, and the salesperson as well, they can always decide whether something needs to be deleted out of this video that has, that has you know, you and I, we know we, we sometimes have podcasts and something is said that should not be there. So we delete it. Yeah. You can't do that with Gong. There's, it's always going to be there. You don't have access as really to the, to the file, to the data file. And we want to make, we want to change that also because of the data protection law in Europe, obviously, that you have to, as a customer, you have to be able to delete that data easily. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to like. We want to improve the, um, the relationship a salesperson has with the prospect by providing these means, like the videos, the, the videos, and also uh, like other possibilities to interact with the customer so that they can sell much better internally. So that's a bit the, the flip that we, we're going to do with and the data protection. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think we hope we can start selling in October. We have a le- already quite a lot of quite a lot of interest. We are doing. We already started selling. I am right now, obviously, hiring uh, in the hiring process with a lot of people, and also always looking for for new ones as well. And yeah, that's what we're gonna do. So, and you will be responsible for the sales, I suppose, right? Okay. Yes, exactly. Okay. For the sales. For the same, we have one. We'll have one in Berlin and one in Switzerland. Ah, okay, so it's not remote. It's like either in Berlin or in Zurich, right? You can be remote for sure. I mean, it's a the tool that we sell is yeah. basically for you know remote uh, being yeah having video conversations and have these recorded and so we have to we have to use it ourselves. So remote for sure, yeah. Um. I'm not certain how to phrase this question. I mean, if you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. But I think it's also important or interesting for me. Now you're going to do sales as a startup, I would say, or as like the, the underdog. So what is there, what's, what would be your strategy to really win those clients and to kind of get them away from Gong, I would say. So especially if you later on want to go into the American market, is it more like the product that will win it or is it more the sales process behind it? No, um, actually, neither. So one thing, I mean, for now in Europe, luckily, we don't have to bring them away from Gong, right? Mm-hmm. They're, Gong is not here yet. There's, they have like 100 cost, 50 to 100 customers in the UK and maybe one or two or a few maybe in Germany and, and, and in Switzerland. Um, so we don't have to really challenge them yet. However, so and and what is very special about Gong, they when you look at their customers, they only almost exclusively have tech companies as their customers, like uh, you know, Starmind, like uh, uh, B2B, all those B2B selling Salesforce. For, I'm not even sure if Salesforce is a customer, um, like Outreach and, and all these sales tools that that company i only come to mind the sales tools but all the e2b sales tech sales companies basically a lot if you look at their customers and what we want to do is we want to specialize in a in a different niche of the market we want to go heavily on financial services obviously in switzerland right there is also the and it's very underestimated uh, like at an insurance zurich insurance for instance they, they sell insurances to other businesses. So they have also business interactions like with account account managers mainly, you know, that also not necessarily um, sell news insurances, but but upselling and this, the whole account management part. So we want to focus on a certain niche um, of the market that Gong hasn't even been tackling, I guess, or didn't have any success so far. Uh, it's, that's an advantage here. When we start in Switzerland, there are a lot of financial companies here. Um, and yeah, so, so that's basically what we going to, what we're going to do. Um, obviously at the beginning, we also gonna tackle the tech companies for sure because those are the ones who move the fastest and um yeah 
those who you know can buy very quickly so that's an easy one also those who, who grow fast who grow quickly yoko is a, could is, is one of the yeah. one of the example lars has to hire a lot of people who is coaching all those people he cannot go with them with all the calls that they that, that they they have right mm -hmm. so he needs to kind of be able to at least maybe in some free time, look through a few recordings or summary of recordings and then coach his people based on those. But he cannot follow uh, the people on their meetings. So fast growing companies is, is really a, a big thing as well. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you also talked about the American market, right? And this, uh, for instance, like Europe. And you worked in both markets from what you told us, right? So what is, in your opinion, the biggest difference between like the American market doing sales there and doing here in Europe? Because you said it before, the, uh, the American market is way more fast moving, right? But how does that, how do you feel that as a salesperson when you do sales in Europe? Do you think if you implement the same things from America, let's say those multi-channel approaches, uh, being very personalized, that would work really well in Europe too? Or do you think it's a mindset change? Because you also talked about during a podcast episode that people here, if you call them, they're like, okay, send me your deck, how much it costs and we close the deal or not. So um, I, I would be interested in knowing what do you think is the difference and how as a startup or as a company can implement that for the sales team to be really successful here in Europe. If you want to come as a US company to switch uh, to Europe, you mean? For instance, or for you, I mean, you, you know now how it's done in America and how it's done in Europe. So what's the difference and what do you think works best or for you now yeah. that you've tried both techniques i would say so yeah so it's going to be a quite it is going to be a quite a wake-up call when you go to from europe to the us i think that's tougher than the other way around um because in the us they don't have that those restrictive data protection laws as in europe right in europe you are actually not really allowed to automate your email approach and target 200 people with an automated email basically that's a very gray even somehow uh, well it's it's still difficult it's, it's still left for interpretation and stuff but i mean it's it's in a way in a gray area that big companies say we're not going to do it at all Right, because their risk is much larger. If the if the US would reach out to all the to people with um, with cold outreach, then they probably would get a really heavy fine. Um, compared to us, like small companies, who I, I and I always take that as an example because we at Larry we target the head of legal and compliance. Who do you think would be the first one to give you a fine or to try to you know bring you to court? Yeah. Uh, if not the head of legal and compliance, because they are the ones who know the law, right? Nothing ever happened. I targeted most like 5,000, at least 5,000 in, in Switzerland and Germany, talked to uh, and emailed to, and uh, not, nobody said, nobody did anything. There was like two maybe who sent uh, an answer to an email and uh, or sent me an answer and say, um, hey, uh, delete my data or I'm going to take any measures. And then if you're friendly and say, hey, I'm really sorry, I delete your data, I'll fine. And never contact them again, then it's fine. I guess. So that's the situation in Europe. Now, the situation in the US is different. You can send emails to everyone if you have an unsubscribe link at the bottom that people can unsubscribe. That's the thing there. So what do, what do, what do all the companies do? Bam. Spam all the people. I mean, it's the same with cold calling as with emailing. In Germany, you're not allowed to to call. In the, in the Netherlands, there was just a, a law from July this year, actually, cold calling not allowed anymore, basically. Yeah. And, you know, as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneneur, you don't have any opt uh, you don't have that many options. You can you can spend a lot of money on 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 ads. Yeah, you don't have the money. There you do need the money. I mean, sales can always be done with work hours and marketing can only be done basically with 
money. You have to have money and capital. Not everybody has capital at the beginning. And um, so in the US, because of that, it's so hard, so hard to get there. You really have to be incredibly resilient. You don't have to be that much that that resilient in, in Europe. In the US, you have to be resilient as crazy. They, they, they do 100 cold calls a day. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna, yeah, that's tough. That, that you're gonna feel that um, after some time, if you know that's. And people always want to move up, then, so they don't want to stay in that role. Want to get to the next, and I think that's way more comfortable in in Europe for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. So that's the that's one of the biggest differences. Also in the US, people usually it takes it's faster that people buy because when they are you know hooked and you you got them. Um, it it's usually faster than in Europe to to build up the trust takes much it's it's much less effort let less it's uh, fewer no not fewer <laughs> it's not that much effort in the US yeah, not that much. and uh, in Europe it's a bit more uh, I think sometimes you feel like you do need to build up that trust uh, I, I, yeah so that's also a, a difference that I that I felt I mean on the other hand you have so many more technologies uh, in the US that they, they are you're way more aware quickly quicker than here. Mm-hmm. I brought so many useful technologies from my time in New York to Switzerland, also shared them with Manuel, and um, that helped us a lot. Um, also here to to ramp up to have a to to implement processes, uh, even just with technologies. You know that's that's what I'm going to do early on at unique as well implement a good tech stack so that people can really focus on selling that's i think very important and in the us they have been doing that for way longer time than here so what's your advice to people who want to cut through the noise here in europe if you can share something in europe if Mm -hmm. you want to cut through the noise yeah yeah then pick up the phone because nobody's doing that anymore <laughs> okay, that's a good one. I mean, you have an episode, Sales Commandment, where you talk about cold calling. So yeah. anybody who wants to know that, that's really good. Um, I had a question to that. So how do you get around the gatekeeper? I mean, there are a lot of companies where you call and you, you don't get further. Because I'm not certain. I, I, maybe it was Manu who said that, but he said he always changes the last two digits and then just calls somewhere in the department and says, can you follow me to that person? But I'm not certain. How do you do that? Yeah, that's that's actually that was my yeah. That, was that yours? Ah, sorry. That, that was my idea. I brought that up. Um, so that's that's a good one um, for those who don't know. So you look up the number from the the, the main the headquarter, basically. Mm-hmm. Very often you get it. It depends a little bit how big the company is, but and either on Google Maps or somewhere you find you find the number, and then you change the last two digits to something random. And um, yeah, I, I had a few examples. They, and so somebody takes to picks up the call, and you sound confused. Oh, oh, uh, it's not it's not Michael here. Um, no, no, no. Here is Thomas. Um, oh, Thomas, can you? I, I mean, I I probably have written down the number incorrectly. Can you direct me to Thomas uh, to Michael? And then Michael who? My, ah, sorry, Michael. Uh, uh, Miller, whatever. <laughs> and then um, you, yeah. And after that, you can say, hey, uh, oh, so that I don't call you anymore. I don't bother you anymore. Can you give me his real number? So that, you know, if I don't read, if I don't get through, give me some. So that's one option that you can do. And that I, that works. That works really well, actually, because those people don't expect much mm-hmm. um, your call. And so they are quite more open. With the gatekeeper, um yeah, so one thing that I realized with the gatekeeper is you have to always be, you know, open and and honest about it. Um, if they if they want to know, so you you call you call up and then the person picks up and you say, oh, is is Michael here? Um, no, uh, he's he's uh, he's in a meeting. Or, or or whatever or no she I mean more likely she says and yeah well what do you want <laughs> and then you have to have a good piece of information that says oh it's about the regulatory morning process can you direct me to Michael please thank you something like that <laughs> 
And now the question is, was she, so usually the question is the gatekeeper, is she really a gatekeeper? Like if she's really a gatekeeper, she wants to learn a bit more about it. If she's just, you know, there to make, I don't know, just to, to, to see whether he is to, like, as is yeah. when he's not reachable, that somebody else is there. Um, then she's not really interested. And when you use something like, Hey, regular, it's about the regulatory morning process. She doesn't get it anyway. And then she's like, okay, I direct this guy. And with companies up to like a thousand employees, that usually is the case or, or works or in my, my, my opinion, works uh, quite well. Um, so, and yeah, when, and then she may may ask, uh, uh, okay, regulatory monitoring. Uh, what what is what what about that? And then you have to have yeah, you know, you you can honestly you have to honestly say, um, you know, I just how how can I get um, five minutes with him? It's uh, it's about and you you have your pitch your your stuff ready, and you you kind of try, have to try to show her that she's important or, or he is important and um you know that you care about what he or he or she is is saying and kind of build build that up a little bit that's quite that's quite important um yeah so i hope that yeah, that, helps. that was quite helpful at least for me i think yeah and yeah okay and apart from cold calling I mean, I know also a lot of people use, for instance, voice messages or video messages on LinkedIn. Is that something that works in your opinion or is it something that you use or is it something more do you think it's it's too hype at the moment? I haven't. We haven't used um, video calling actually that much. Mm -hmm. I think it for sure works um, or it can work. Definitely. Um, I also did download the, 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 the LinkedIn app now again, because I didn't have it on my phone. You can send direct video messages yeah. and I will definitely, definitely encourage people to do that uh, in two weeks for sure. The more personal, yeah. better, especially I think you always look at it from um, what's the company you want to target. If you have a company that you know, okay, if we sell to that company, we can earn a million do everything that you can to get in you know send it send and the more uh, innovative the better send don't send a normal email to the person send a crafted 60 second video letter a hundred percent if you target companies that you can earn 10,000k max or 20 maybe up to 20,000k a year you don't want to invest so much time at the beginning. You want to try to automate as much as possible and try to get those into sequences. And, and if nothing's going to happen, then, then okay. So you always think about it in a way, how important is the customer to get? How much time can I as a salesperson invest? If I invest two days in winning a customer that we can earn 10,000 a year, and we also have to implement the software, you're not going to earn anything for quite some time because your time is 2000 a day mm. and so it costs the company 4000 to get that customer alone and then you have uh, you know all just the prospecting and then you have to do all the meetings and the selling that's another two days and then <laughs> mm. the first year is not going to happen so you have to be mindful of that um for sure and think about this and all these these options i really like it i really like to think about new ways and and always try to do it and and find those and test them out test them out yourself if you're a group for sure no no i think it's a good advice yeah um so you talked about the future here and i know that you're also involved in salesmith right so where you help aspiring sales professionals to start their careers in sales and become a performers right so what's the motivation behind it and what is your vision for it uh, at salesmith um so the motivation was to change that image in switzerland uh, of sales in general like so that people, when they go to university or whatever, they think, I do want to have a sales career because, and that's also a big difference mm -hmm. to the US. In the US, sales career is uh, really a thing. Like, you know, people want to go in sales when they are at university, probably also already sold some lime juice uh, before, but uh, so general story. And um, so we want to change that in Switzerland. Um, and 
try and you know try to hire people directly from university without experience also most of the sales job usually people are like yeah we we need we want people who have experience but that's that doesn't have to be the case i don't think so if you're if you're actually good at what you do and um you can coach and teach them i know many sales uh, startups many startups don't have the capacity and i didn't have that when i started the storm either for two years no real sales training nothing um but and and that's what we want to do as well like we want to hire them but also give them on the job training because startups are not usually able to do that now obviously because uh, now obviously starting at unique i take those people that we generate from this funnel also for unique if it's a fit uh, if that's what people want to obviously sometimes people want to work in sports and we can't, uh, it doesn't make any sense if we hire them and unique, if you're passionate about sports, but that's, um, so that's the general, that was the, that's the general idea. Mm -hmm. And uh, something that was very interesting when I looked it up uh, on the internet was that you mentioned that salespeople quite frankly have a job guarantee because there's such a high demand for them and AI is not going to change that. Why do you think so? Because I hear so many people saying, oh, sales is going to change completely. You have to be very afraid of, losing your job in the future because with automation, all those things, it's going to change. So, um, yeah. I think, yeah, some people say that. And those people who say it, um, there's one famous one in, in on LinkedIn. And I did actually this course just out of interest, Colin Cadmus. He has a lot of followers and he is saying that. But we have to understand where Colin is coming from. Colin is coming from a very transactional sales kind of environment where you don't do much as a salesperson anymore. There's like a few interactions and then you you sell it, right? It's small, medium enterprises, very transactional sales, a lot of short, very short sales cycles, very easy products to sell. And with these, maybe, but I don't think so. I think actually it's, it's, it's never, it's not going to change because when I look at myself now, I've just been evaluating a lot of sales tools um, to be able to decide what tech stack are we going to have for unique. And honestly, I don't want to go on these websites and, and, you know, read all the stuff. There are certainly people and personality types who want to do that. The blue personality types, they like to go into research and do, and yeah, and, and that's for sure. If, if you tell me, that in the future, more of these blue-ter personality type emerge, maybe, then it's, it's, it's possible. But to be honest, if you buy something that is a little bit more complicated than just one use case, if you buy sales loft outreach, mm -hmm. if you buy Salesforce, no way you can do that by yeah. research online. It's never yeah, going to happen. Yeah. It's impossible. It's so complex and you want, you don't want to. I, I'd rather spend half an hour with a sales guy who tells me exactly what I want to know based on the problems I tell him I have or I want to solve rather than do one hour of free. It's so inefficient. And that's the, I think one of the issues that are coming or that, I mean, he or people say, yeah, the, Younger generations, they want to, you know, they spend more time texting rather than calling. But I also think these, um, these generation, they will realize when, especially when they're in business, more into business, yeah. coming more into business. And I haven't, I haven't done it. I don't know. I haven't done calls with my phone much before I went, became 20, mm -hmm. really. I didn't do many phone calls either. And, you know, and after that, you go, go into business and you have to do calls, mm -hmm. You know, and you realize, wow, that's a way more efficient to do a call. And you, you, you know, you get over your anxiety, call anxiety if you have it. Um, and that's that's how it happened. Well, it's a you know, it's a small view, my personal view, um, because the way I feel about things. But um, I, I don't see these changes uh, right now in the in the market. No. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, at the end of the day, just think about it, decision makers. How how much time do they have per day? Do you think they can research 24-7 what product they need? Never, ever. So they need somebody who reaches out to them and make them aware of certain things. I mean, that's how I think about it. But That's true. But the, the general assumption of those people who claim that, um, that it's going to happen more with research is that decision makers are not really the ones who buy. They delegate that to mm -hmm. someone and that someone is basically doing the research. I guess oh, that's okay. 
yeah. But, yeah. Time will tell, I guess, right? <laughs> but yes. um, yeah, so far, I mean, there's a high demand for salespeople. I think especially also in Switzerland, from what I know, for especially German-speaking ones, because not a lot of people consider it. Yeah. Um, what would you advise people who want to succeed in sales? What should they do to set themselves up for success and to kind of, you know, get to this point where they're a performer? So one thing in sales is very important is always uh, try to be cultural and learn stuff. Read yourself, uh, uh, develop yourself. Um, don't think you know how things are done. And uh, just read a lot of books, listen to podcasts, uh, really get out and try new things, try new things, catch yourself when you're like, mm, no, I don't want to be doing that. Like with cold calling, um, emotionally difficult to get over at the beginning, it feels like, but, you know, we always, um, as we know in sales, right, people decide emotionally or, or emotionally and then justify it rationally. And that's what happens with cold calling as well. People think emotionally it's really hard. So they rationally explain why cold calling doesn't work anymore. That's what most people do on LinkedIn as well. Or those who don't like cold calling, they emotionally find it really difficult and then rationally explain it doesn't work. But that's mm -hmm. not how it is. It works. Ask those people who have done thousands of calls if it does work, and they will tell you, yeah, it does work. I mean, I'm doing it. Um, so, so get out there, not, not you know, try get out of the comfort zone and, and do the stuff. Okay. Very good advice. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there are so many things out there, especially also on LinkedIn. It's for free. Just go out there and learn and read. So. Very good point. Yeah, follow people on LinkedIn and uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the discussion has been very interesting. Uh, before we finish here, I would like to ask you five rapid fire questions to wrap it up. Um, are you ready? Yes. Perfect. Um, so the first question is, what do you do to keep your body and mind fit and sharp? So I have a very strict day, like a routine, basically. And that starts at six in the morning. Don't ever put push the snooze button so that's one of the uh, the religious things that i do religiously never use the snooze button get up at six have a tea and um read for two hours usually until eight then i do journaling um so i write about how i felt the day before what did i do especially what did i do how i felt and what i'm grateful for um these three things it's really important to reflect on the, on your feelings i think um, and then I start working. I do usually the difficult things in the morning, but also quite shocked. I do have my, or I, you know, my parts that I do prospecting or I did prospecting and things like that. So that's, that's what I did or coaching at the very, uh, like in the morning, we usually do the mock-up calls with my team coach, uh, like the cold calls and stuff so that we can start a day um, and be prepared for, for what is to follow. Um, then work. Um, usually, you know, normal times, sometimes I'm really into it and work until whatever, it doesn't really matter, but I do, I am cautious about, you know, start, stop at some point, seven, eight, eat something, eat healthy, go for a run, obviously in between at like five, I go for half an hour run and then I make sure I have eight hours of sleep and I do meditate before I go to sleep. So that's how today basically looks. Wow, very impressive. <laughs> wow, that's great. Yeah. And before we talked about books, right? So you and me, we both like to read. What's the one favorite business book that we, that you would recommend to somebody to read? Business or sales book? Business. Let's, business. let's do the both. Let's do business and sales. I think that's a good. Time. I mean, you can, you can, you, when you want a combination, then it's uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's not exactly a sales book, but it's incredibly valuable for sales as well. So that's, and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, also business and for sales. Incredibly valuable. Okay, those are good. Yeah, they are really good. A good start, I would say so. And um, who's your favorite business leader and why do you follow him or her? John McMahon, by far. He already was CRO of five 
um, companies that were acquired or IPO'd. Uh, he's in the board of MongoDB and Snowflake, two very, very fast-growing companies. And he is just, you know, he's an incredibly good leader in sales. He's, he's incredibly good at building up sales teams. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's the person I follow. Okay. There's a lot of good podcasts about him. Um, Hunters and Unicorns is the podcast called. Okay. And about the third or the fourth episode, it's with him. It's about two hours uh, long and really valuable, incredibly valuable. Okay, I will, I will give it a try. Um, speaking about podcasts, that's the question that we always ask for our own podcast. Who should be our next podcast guest and why? Um, so you did you talk to Lars yet? No, I would love to. I mean, I'm not certain that he would agree to, but I yes, would he, would. he would. He will? Yeah, okay, yeah. I will definitely approach him. Yeah, do it. Perfect. So Lars, if you listen to that, I will reach out to you sooner or later. Um, so now you can directly address our audience. Is there anything that they can help you with or a way how they can get in touch with you? Yes, for sure. Anytime. LinkedIn, obviously. I'm quite active um, uh, nowadays. Or patrick at unique.ch is the new email if you want to reach out. Or 078-919-8890 is my phone number. So that's even better. But it's also in the LinkedIn profile. So just send a connection request and then you will be able to call me. Okay, perfect. All right, I guess then that's it. Thank you so much for having taken the time. It was very interesting. I mean, for me, it was very, very interesting. I hope you enjoyed it too. And yeah, for the people out there, reach out to Patrick. He's a great sales guy, I would say so. Thank you. Thank you, Pablo. It was a pleasure to be here. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and subscribe to our podcast to never miss a new episode. Do you want to grow your B2B business, win new employees and drive sales with a podcast content engine? So who can help? Simply schedule a strategy call with our host, Sammy Gebele. Get in touch on LinkedIn or via sawoo.io, S-A-W-O-O.io. You can also find all contact details in our show notes. Thanks and see you next time.